Hey, it's Ben here. And in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to a brand new week of the Failure Guy podcast. This week, I have Alexandra Gilbert here. Hey, Alexandra, how are you? I'm good. You can call me Alex. No words. Perfect. I was wondering that. So, Alex, how are things going in your world? I see uh, the the listeners can't see, but you're in a brightly lit, uh, bubbly uh, space, it seems. Yes. Uh, things are, you know, chaotic, because why would they be easy? But other than that, pretty good. But I'm excited to be here. Good. And for the listeners who don't happen to know who you are, you want to give a little bit of background on what you do, maybe uh, a little bit of uh, some shameless self-promotion before we get into some of your failures. So you feel a little bit better about yourself uh, to start with. Sure. So um, again, thank you for having me. I have dyslexia and ADHD, and I was really privileged to be diagnosed at a very young age. And I had all kinds of resources that were provided for me all through college, uh, all the way through college. And then when I graduated and started working, I just completely fell on my face. There was really no resources that were available that were anything like the resources I had growing up to keep me on par with my peers. And I was struggling so much and thought, it can't just be me. This can't just be me. This can't just be my issue and my problem. There are other people who have learning disabilities or ADHD and I talked about it often and I still couldn't figure out how to advocate for myself or find the resources I needed. So fast forward to a decade later after working almost exclusively in program and leadership development, I was laid off from my job because of COVID and I was talking to my husband about what I should do next. And he said, you've had this dream of helping people like yourself, what are you waiting for? And I was like, oh my God, what am I waiting for? I'm going to help people who have learning disabilities and ADHD, but strictly working with adults because there are a ton of resources that are available for kids, for parents, for educators, but there's nothing really for the adults and it's not something that you grow out of. So I started my company um, a few months ago, so it's called Cape. A bull consulting, which is again a coaching and consulting company that works directly with people with learning disabilities and ADHD. So I coach adults, and then I also work with corporations and organizations to help make a much more accommodating space for adults with learning disabilities and ADHD so that they can thrive because there's so many skills that we have that we want to be able to utilize. Yeah, well, I think it's an important thing that you're doing. And as someone who uh, has ADHD myself and part of my failure guy uh, persona or whatever is that I've been fired or laid off from every job I've had since graduating college. Mm -hmm. Very common. And I think it's probably 
uh, linked <laughs> potentially to the learning disability. And I have some specific questions related to my experiences as we get further mm-hmm. in, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about yeah. your story and how you decided, well, at what point did you know you wanted to start that business? You said you were laid off from COVID. You finally had a chance to kind of reshape things and rethink your, your time frames, and then you just went for it or what? So I've been the idea for starting a business for helping adults with learning disabilities or ADHD kind of came out of being 16, year, 16 years old and starting to think about college. And I had this resource room teacher who was my um, SAT tutor, and she looked at my PSAT scores and she said, I really think you should be looking at community colleges or small liberal arts colleges. And I was, I know that that's a path that works for so many people who have similar learning disabilities that I have in ADHD. But I looked at her and said, you, you know, that has, that's nothing to do with me. That's not my goal. That's not my personality. That's not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Why won't you support me in trying to help set me up for success to do something different? And she pretty much wrote me off. And I was so angry after that. And I went back and started writing my college essays about being more than just a number that I had so many skills as someone with dyslexia and ADHD, if anyone was going to make a bet on who was going to succeed in college, it was going to be me. And I ended up going to Indiana University, which was a very, very, very large university. And it was exactly what I was looking for. But I also really struggled with figuring out how to deal with my learning disabilities and ADHD. And I became very close to the director of disability services there. And after a while, I had figured it out and she would call me every semester and say, hey, Alex, I have a student I'd love for you to, to talk to, to help figure out how to talk to their professors or where to study. And it was, I think I got to my junior year when I finally said to her, I was like, you know, there's over a thousand students who use disability services, which by the way, it's almost 10,000 now, who use disability services. How come you don't have a program to help students with disabilities succeed? And she said, we really just, we don't have the time or the motivation to do this. And I said, okay, can I be your time and motivation? She's like, sure, sure, Alex, like you, you could do that. And she was like, so when can you meet with my student? And so she didn't think I was serious, but I walked in the next week with a PowerPoint presentation of how I was going to put together peer undergraduate mentor program, which was a mentor retention program for students with disabilities to help them succeed at um at iu and i the program is supposed to be with 25 people and ended up with 50. i won a ton of awards from the city the state the university for creating this and i didn't think it was that crazy of a concept to help people learn how to advocate for themselves but it really was foreign so i've kind of had this dream and and this pursuit of wanting to help people with learning disabilities and ADHD, and, and that was much more inclusive. It was it was all disabilities for that program, but it's always been there. And I just needed the skills that I was learning once I graduated, all the program and leadership development skills that I had, had used to be able to set this up now. And it just evolved. Yeah, it sounds like you actually found a a job where you could actually do program and leadership development. I don't see a lot of those around. So good job um, finding that. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it basically for 
um, a decade. And it was amazing. And I learned so many things. But I had talked to someone on a previous podcast and they had asked me, you know, what would you tell yourself then? I'm like, I had this dream forever, but I didn't have the skills to do what I'm doing now in order to start the business. So it was hard, but it was worth it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. So it seems like you were able to navigate pretty easily once you got past a little bit, some of that, you know, counselor or whoever that was, who was pointing you in the wrong direction. The tutor. Yeah. It seems like that kind of lit a fire within you to get things going. Uh, did you have any particular failures related to that uh, program you had created? Was there any uh, stumbling blocks going from 25 to 50 without knowing you were going to, was there any kind of lessons you learned from that? And by failures, it don't necessarily mean anything life shattering, just more like uh, stumbling blocks that helped you learn a lesson to make things better in the future. For sure. I am so grateful for the opportunity to have been able to create that program because I think there were so many pieces that I learned in the process, not just from creating the program itself, but for my career and being able to constantly have that failure opportunity because it was based on what I wanted and based on what my vision was. And I had other people's ideas and I had um, the support of disability services there, but they gave me free range to design it in the way that I thought. And I felt like I could make the mistakes and it would be okay. So in, in, if there was anything in particular that I learned, I think that I, looking back on it over, you know, over 10, 12 years later at this point, mm-hmm. I created a program with me in mind running it. And in order for it to be sustainable afterwards, um, I had thought I had set it up in a way that would be sustainable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't. And, and there was a lot of staff turnover, which made it really difficult for the program to keep itself up. And so that was something that I could say now. And I've talked to disability services now and said, how can I help you update this program? But yeah, I had the ability to constantly fail, but it was such a learning experience for everything I've ever done. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And you're always doing a good thing which is great, you know, because even yeah. if you mess up, you're like, well, at least I'm still advocating for people who need it. Yeah, that and the fact that like someone with learning disabilities or ADHD is so used to, I'm going to say in quotes, fail. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many things that are set up in ways that are not meant for you to succeed. And so you're constantly having to create new ways to think and learn and advocate. And, and you're going to quote unquote fail if it's not set up for you. So this was at least set up with me in mind and I could make my own expectations. So I never saw it as failure. It was more, I saw it as here's another learning experience. Have you, I'm curious, cause I uh, have experienced myself. Have you found much of a link between ADHD and anxiety, whether it's just be due to the fact of being not prepared Huge. Or, uh, or just a, some sort of a chemical balance thing. I'm not sure. Uh, oh my God. Yes. It seems like most people who have ADHD also tend to have uh, some sort of anxiety. Yeah. I've read uh, the latest study I read was almost 80% of people who have learning disabilities or ADHD actually have anxiety or depression or OCD or some, some combination of the two. And it, I just wrote actually a blog post specifically on my 
mental health um, challenges because of having learning disabilities or ADHD, when you're constantly being berated and having language used on you, mm-hmm. of course you have anxiety when it comes to that. Of course you are afraid that you're going to be exposed for your learning disability or ADHD or any of those things. It is unbelievably common. And I often, you know, I was I was a guest in a um, grad class and somebody asked me that question and then said, how many of your clients um, don't have anxiety or depression? And I sat there and I said, none. Every single one of my clients that I've ever spoken to, anyone who's um, spoken to me about their ADHD or learning disabilities has some kind of anxiety or depression. And I think that's alarming that yeah. there's no support for that. And um, kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing is I want to be a voice and, and be a person that people, people can speak to and say, oh my God, you get it. You understand how I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, the, the difficulty with understanding something like a learning disability is it's, it's not like you can do a blood test for it and like, hey, you're, you know, you're dyslexic and tell you. So it's weirder when it's something that has to be kind of diagnosed from a person to person standpoint, you know, yeah, and can seem less real or something to people. And I think we need to make sh- somehow figure out how to how to um, show those who don't know what it's like, uh, you know, I guess what it's like. Yeah. And that's actually as you're saying that about being diagnosed, I'm actually, well, I've also read this, but I've also noticed this from clients who are coming to me is they're not being diagnosed until they're adults or they were being diagnosed as children put on medication and just told like, we're good. And that's not how it works when you don't have the support or you don't have the, you don't have someone saying to you, I hear you. I understand that you're struggling. How can we make things easier for you or anything like that? So yeah, I, there's a lot of shame that comes with that. And the shame of thinking differently or not knowing that you think differently and not having anybody confirm it for you. Yeah, I know. I was diagnosed uh, in my early adulthood, so in my 20s. Um, so Exactly. But before then, I mean, I felt like everything was fine in terms of, you know, whatever. I was smart enough to get through things and whatever, but I knew mm-hmm. there, was, there was something a little off but um and my pet family we didn't really talk about mental health that much so mm-hmm. didn't even seek out um uh, guidance on it till i was in my you know in my college years we definitely self-medicated through part of that just to get um just to get through it that's the most common story i hear yeah so it's it's yeah. weird to have to have that sort of a, a way of finding it even you feel like um almost imposter syndrome within the uh disability itself you know oh my god absolutely and that's and that's one of the things that i do is one of the packages that i do i call it getting to know yourself because if you're someone who's just been diagnosed or you're someone who was diagnosed at a young age and put on medication and told like you're cured or you're an adult who is similar to myself who had all of these resources and now you don't you have to start over and learn about yourself. So I have this package that I call getting to know you. And it's really about getting to know yourself, getting to know how you think, how you learn, how you operate, how you organize, because you do have the ability to organize in your own way, but basically resetting for adult priorities Mm -hmm. so that you can function and thrive and not feel so stressed about it, not feel so anxious about it and really be okay more than okay. Um, and that's, that's really hard. 
so that that's part of what I do. That's cool. It sounds like a nice little package to offer to, uh, yeah. you know, uh, bring people on board. What's been the hardest part as you're starting up this capable consulting? What has been uh, some of the bigger challenges you've faced now going out on your own? Going through that imposter syndrome, I think, is really something like, am I qualified to do this? I constantly ask myself that, but I'm always reassured when I talk to people that I've had 30 plus years of of living with these disabilities myself and navigating through a number of different scenarios. And that mm-hmm. has merit. And, you know, so the imposter syndrome is, you know, often creeps in every time. And I'm like, I'm going to shut the door on that. Um, I would say it's also dealing with numbers. I'm terrible at numbers, you know, trying to take on things that I are part of being a business owner that you're like, I had somebody else do this when I worked elsewhere or getting to be the person who makes all of the decisions all the time or being the person who's the only person to complete everything every time. Those are things that can be really triggering and overwhelming for me. But one of the things that I've tried to help myself as I'm helping others is again, getting to know myself of, okay, setting up the boundaries that make sense for me, setting up my schedule in a way that makes sense for me going with the flow. Not every day is going to look the same. That's okay. You know, just really making this easy. And and I've, I work with the business coach and I had said to her, one of the things that's been really interesting about being a business owner and starting and starting capable was every job I've ever had has been incredibly hard because I was constantly overcompensating for my disabilities and I was excelling at my job and I was the go-to person for in every workplace that I've ever been in, but I was so burnt out. And now I'm in a job that I find challenging, but I'm good at it. And it's using all of my skills and I'm not burnt out and I'm not stressed out. And I think that says everything. Yeah. Whether you're set up to be successful or not based on, you know, how your atmosphere is, how your day is set up. Exactly. Exactly hugely important. I know I struggle sometimes to figure out how to uh, set up my days to do the right thing, especially in between jobs. Yeah. But it's also the mindset of doing the quote unquote right thing. Setting up a nine to five day might not be the best environment for you or for somebody else. And that's actually one of the things that I think has been really interesting as I talk to people who've been working from home during COVID is that some people who have spoken to have completely thrived in this environment because they can work the hours that they need to and take the long breaks that they need to and are more productive. I mean, a few of the people I've spoken to had actually been promoted during this time because they found they were more productive. And then others who really struggle because they needed the structure of, I need exactly this time. I need these people to help me keep accountable. There's no wrong answer. It's just what's the right answer for you is going to be different. And that's okay. Absolutely. I mean, I know personally, I've, um, I've struggled in the workplace because, uh, not, not necessarily even doing work properly. I mean, that's fine. It's bad uh, at time estimation, how long a project will take, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a complicated one that takes a lot of, uh, unknown (laughs) steps involved in it. Yeah. I can be a little bit more, um, over ambitious in my timelines and then that ends up uh, hurting me later on. So many people say that it's the time management piece that is often a struggle for a lot of people. And one of the things that I've 
when I talk to people is that not everyone discloses that they have a learning disability or ADHD. I always did because I always felt like that was my superpower, that I was really, really good at a lot of things that other people were not. Like I was on a job interview once where somebody asked me, do you know how to multitask? And I started laughing because I thought she was kidding. And she was like, no, not everyone knows how to multitask. And I was like, what? But, oh my God, like, I'm really good at that. I, I actually find that I'm a terrible single tasker. You know, so here, here's like all these skills that I didn't think I were very mm-hmm. good, quote unquote, but they were amazing. So I think it really comes down to how do you discuss it with your boss? How do you structure your success and know that when you're applying for jobs, that questions can go both ways. What's the structure? Does this work for me? Does this work for them? Can there be written directions? Can we set up, you know, X, Y, or Z in a way that makes you successful? It benefits them as much as it benefits you. Yeah, especially if they really want to invest in you and and see you be good in your role. You know, it it only helps them. But sometimes a lot of times you get penalized for being honest and you don't get the help you need in a lot of situations. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things that I talk to a lot of my clients about. And what I talk about with my corporate clients too about making an an inclusive environment is that one, you're protected by the ADA, the um, Disabilities Act. So you have that protection, but it's not always, people feel like they're failing by exposing themselves in that way. And and I get that. It can be really scary. And all of a sudden people are thinking of you as, as less than, mm. I should say that in quotes, but it's not true. It's just yeah. you think and learn differently. So it, you don't want to put yourself in the environment where that's not acceptable to be who you are either. And that's also what I try and talk to people about is knowing before you get there, is this the right place for you? Yeah. No. And each time uh, I would mm-hmm. I would get a job closer to me being myself all the time mm-hmm. is how I could act, you know, rather than having to put on an act kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, and I can only find that out by changing industries and changing, you know, ways of thinking and stuff. Yeah. But that's actually a really common story for people with ADHD. Um, getting fired from jobs. I think they actually get fired. I, I don't remember what the percentage is, but um, there is a much more, um, there's a higher rate of people who are getting fired with ADHD because they quote unquote can't keep up or don't hand things in on time or other things. And I'm trying to help you use the skills that you are exceptional at mm-hmm. to help place you in the places that you're going to thrive as opposed to being in the environments that are demeaning and demoralizing to who you are, not using your skills, making you feel frustrated and burnt out at the end of the day, because that serves no one. Yeah, And it doesn't help your confidence either when you have other skills that are so special that other mm-hmm. people don't have. Absolutely. Yeah. And usually, um, like you were saying, you, you have a, a superpower in terms of multitasking. I'm, I happen to be very good at numbers, which is interesting that you're mm-hmm. you know, not, but I know. I'm dyslexic. Numbers, just not my friend. There's many, and there's yeah. many different types of uh, ADD. Do you know, do you have any good way of differentiating between them, even for my own edification? Because I know there's sort of the uh, inattentive ADHD and also hyperactive. Is there a mm-hmm. little bit you can give the listeners in terms of like what varieties there are? So there's really three. It's inattentive. Usually, a lot of the times those are women who are di- who are actually not diagnosed because they're quote unquote inattentive. 
hyperactive is what stereotypically people think of when they think of like little boys who are interrupting the class, which is mm -hmm. also just upsetting that that's how it's thought of because most of the kids who are getting diagnosed are actually boys because of those um, issues. And then there's combined. So you could be inattentive and hyperactive at the same time. I qualify as that. So I could be maybe spacey in one element and just can't hold my attention if you, to save my life. And then at the other time, I can be really, really impulsive or interrupt people or you know, make quick decisions and then look back at it and say, oh, I did not mean to send that email. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, does that really under, does that yeah. help and understand? Okay. I think even part of this podcast is just a selfish a need to get better at some of my bad habits. So like interrupting people and other uh, likely ADHD related um, traits, it can be a little bit easier when you put some boundaries around how you have to interact. Kind of yeah. It, you know, it's really interesting. I've actually found that a lot of people who come to me have come to me after watching TikTok videos, that there's so many TikTok videos about ADHD that there are symptoms that people didn't realize they were experiencing that had to do with ADHD. And I think even just having these conversations is, you know, bringing awareness to the fact that this isn't just a little kid problem. This is mm -hmm. a lifetime problem and it doesn't have to be struggle all the time yeah and i think another thing people don't necessarily hear all the time about adhd is i mean sometimes we can be hyper focused as you, as mm -hmm. you say but we ne can't necessarily control that focus and where that is going to go yeah so like things like video games or gambling or other addictions can also be uh something that I, i'd say are more likely because we have that kind of ability to hyper focus on something even if it's not for our betterment Oh my God, I, that that is something that I think is so important to talk about because there are people who will end up like on a Instagram binge for like hours or TikTok binge for hours. They're like, where did the last two hours go? I can't believe I did that. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard to control when you have those hyper-focused hours, but your body is constantly looking for that dopamine, that excitement, and if mm -hmm. something catches your attention, there goes two hours. Um, so yes, it can be, it can for sure be a blessing and a curse at the same time. Do you think you struggle with uh, organization, disorganization type, type issues and, or is it in certain parts of your life only? Um, so I think that I probably would have had I not had any kind of intervention as when I was younger. So my first resource room teacher in fourth grade was unbelievable and helped me figure out how to organize in a way that made sense to me, but then also take all of the chaos around me and create an organized structure so that I could see it, read it, understand it, and ask questions. And that's exactly how I've pretty much thrived in my entire life. That's how I ended up in the careers that I did because I was so, I was so good at being able to see the big picture and the little details all at the same time and then create the structure around it because I had those skills at a really young age. So my organizational skills, I think, are kind of years and years of compensating, but it's now probably my strongest suit. I mean, that being said, not everything is perfect. You know, my mm -hmm. I have a lot of things in my home and my apartment that are perfectly organized, but then if I'm totally uninterested because I have ADHD and it's 
a mess. Like my kitchen has like piles of stuff in the sink. Uh, unless I get into a hyper focus, like I'm not going to go clean it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it comes and goes, but I would say organization is my strong suit. But I think that's something that I, I often talk to a lot of clients about is the fact that they feel like they can't organize um, because they've been told they can't organize because they have ADHD or executive fun functioning disorder. And one of the things that I do is I, I host a 30 minute free session called declutter your mind where we can basically do a brain dump of anything that you're really struggling with, put it out there and let's help you find the structure that makes sense for you so that you can thrive in those scenarios. Well, that sounds awesome. Thank you. Well, that's good to hear that you are very organized and you've taken it as a, yeah. as a challenge to figure out how to get more organized yourself. I know my my organizational skills have uh, not been the best over the time, but I'm trying to figure out ways uh, to your point of, of figuring out things that work. Even when I'm cleaning, like I have to do like a, I can jump from one thing to another, but then like weave my way back through the cleaning. Yeah, that was <laughs> just to make it more interesting. For sure. I, I think um, I, I actually didn't even really realize, even though I had been diagnosed with ADHD at eight, I didn't actually realize until I was in college that I had ADHD. And it was because I had the structure that this in um, the director of disability services asked me, how I clean my room. And I was like, well, I start with this pile and then I go over here and then I have to throw out those papers, but then I want to read them and I'm talking. And she's like, do you, do you hear yourself? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Because you get hyper-focused, but something else is interesting. Look, that's shining. Okay, let's go yeah, there. I'd have to like leave like uh, almost uh, weird objects out of place where I stopped <laughs> last to, to remember to go back and restart. You made it fun and you finished it. That's yeah. the part that matters. Doesn't matter how it looks. And that's part of what I talk about with people is like, as long as the organizational structure piece makes sense to you, mm -hmm. that's the part that matters. And that's what's actually going to make it sustainable and easier for you to keep up with. Is there, is there anything you think companies have been doing good lately to help with uh, with folks with learning, learning disabilities? And do you think the switch to remote has helped? in general because it's allowed for more varied work styles or uh do you think it's been you know hit or miss it's really interesting i would say a lot of companies before covid had this very open environment where you'd have like a thousand desks in the middle and you know it it was like the google model that you're supposed to be collaborative that way which was the worst possible thing you could do for someone was learning disabilities or ADHD. I mean, create more distraction, noise, whatever. I think being able to work from home has actually given a lot of companies the ability to understand that people can be successful in a lot of different environments. And I think that a lot of companies are taking the time to figure out what structure looks like, whether it's coming back into an office five days a week, three days a week, two days a week, whatever the case is, but asking the employees how did you do at home? What worked for you at home? And mm -hmm. how can we continue to make this productivity, you know, increase? And that's what I try and talk to a lot of companies about is keeping that momentum of asking your employees how they're feeling and what yeah. works for them is going to make it easier for them to make any kind of adjustments. Absolutely. Plus, you know, there's 
going to be a lot more uh, options now, uh, given mm-hmm. that remote work is, is a possibility. You know, there could be hybrid companies that do different things. And that sa- usually sure. saves them money on the office space. So I imagine they're going to want to look into things like that as well. Definitely. Definitely. Hopefully they'll invest more in the work-life balance and things like you do, which is um, providing uh, some additional context to how people work and, and you know, the different ways in which they might uh, struggle with that. Yeah. And that's kind of part of why I was doing what I was doing is because I wanted to be able to make people feel good, not just like mentally and physically, but be more productive. And I've always kind of used this example of if you create your company or organization in a way that let's say you have a front door and you have a ramp to your front door, it's now accessible by everyone who has physical limitations to the person who can walk in the door, no problem. But now that's available to everyone. And if you create a structure that is inclusive and available for everyone, the people who don't have a learning disability or ADHD feel comfortable. The people who are struggling with the work-life balance because they have kids at home and trying to do that are going to be more successful. You know, it, it, it's going to be better for everyone across the board if we make changes that are just so slight, but make everybody feel better. Absolutely. Oh, I totally agree. I did want to ask, is there anything else on failure that you want to mention before I get into my last two questions, which are more forward looking and uh, not as historical? Is there any uh, last words, so to speak, uh, on your thoughts on failure? I often talk about failure in quotes because I think it is really something that is like a stinging point for people with learning disabilities or ADHD, that they constantly feel like failures. And I just want to let people know that it's okay to quote unquote fail if you're in an environment or in a situation that wasn't set up for you to succeed, it's okay. So how can you find a way to create success for yourself in order for you to feel better about it? You're likely not going to fail as often. You'll actually feel better about it. So I just wanna change people's views on what failure is and that it doesn't have to be a negative thing all the time. At a failure, you get creativity and you get innovation. You get so much value and that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, just a learning uh, lesson or, or seven block, mm-hmm. hopefully on the way towards the thing you're, you're trying to reach. Exactly. Um, and now being a, as a guest on the show, you get something called a get out of fail free card. And you can use this card similar to the Monopoly card to get to go down a path in life that you did not go down, whether it's a jazz musician, um, you know, you want to be a comedian, uh, you want to do acting. Is there something you would use your get out of fail free card or a hobby, some sort of maybe you'd be a botanist. Who knows? Is there something you'd use that get out of fail free card for because you uh, would have wanted to pursue this thing, but you thought there was just too much of a percentage of failure that you did not pursue it? I'm going to twist this question because I think everything that I've failed in has led me to where I am. And I think without those experiences, I would have never been able to do anything in my life. And I feel like I'm really grateful for those experiences. So it makes me who I am. Was it pretty? No. Was it incredibly difficult? Absolutely. Was I miserable in those moments? Absolutely. But would I take any of them back? No. 
So I, I don't know if there is anything that I would say, get out of free because it made me me. Yeah, absolutely. And to be clear, it's forward looking. So if you want to go be a Broadway singer, you can use it for that. But <laughs> I mean, I'd love to be on Broadway. I think 12 year old me would love to be on Broadway. But um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. You have to experience it for real and, you know, the way it's meant to be. And I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. So down that path, what's the next big failure? What's your next thing that you're going to fail at until you nail it? As uh, as I say, is it uh, this new consulting business? Is there some new branch of it that you're uh, that you're now going down the path of? I feel like there's going to be a number of failures that happen being a, a new entrepreneur and starting a new business. I think that there's always going to be opportunities where I'll fail at something and it will lead me to somewhere else. But I've always wanted to make this business something so much more than just helping adults with learning disabilities and ADHD. I want to be able to think forward and backwards of helping kids who are being newly diagnosed to learning how to advocate for themselves all the way through, you know, adulthood and working. So I'm sure along the way, there's going to be a, a blog post or a speaking engagement that didn't go as planned or maybe not getting as many clients that they had hoped for, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm going in with it, an open mind, knowing that it's not going to be perfect. And I think that is probably the hardest thing for me personally, having dyslexia and ADHD, I've had such a perfectionist mindset of everything had to be so bulletproof, perfect, that no one was going to know that I had dyslexia or ADHD. And the fact that I'm allowing myself to be okay with there's going to be room for failure. I think is the most important aspect of the future of my business because it's only going to get better, not worse. Yeah. And the imperfection is kind of part of the beauty of the whole thing. So I'd mm -hmm. say, uh, I'd say don't worry about perfection as much, but I'm sure you're struggling with figuring out how to do that uh, yourself. But I think uh, yeah. even opening up what you currently do now to being something that's more broad than just adults would be quite a uh, undertaking. So I can understand why that would, uh, would be pretty challenging. Yeah, but it's also about learning. As I said, I've tried to learn about myself and taking everything in small bites. And I think one of the ways that I've actually protected myself from having bigger failures is going back to what I used to do, which was take on, as you mentioned with yourself, taking on so much more and not knowing the time management piece. It's okay. This is what I have the capacity for now. This is what I'm going to quote unquote perfect in order to move on to the next phase of that's what I want to do. So Again, those are all lessons of yeah. failure that I had in order to be where I am now. Perfect. And uh, where would you direct people these days to find out, you know, what you're working on? What's the best place to find you on? I imagine it's uh, Instagram, Facebook and uh, your website, but go go ahead. Yes. So I have um, my company is Cape, C-A-P-E, ableconsulting.com. So you can go to capableconsulting.com. You can find me on Instagram, which is I am capable the same way as the company is spelled. And, and then I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn at Capable Consulting LLC. So Cool. Well, I'll make sure to link all those on the website and the show okay. notes. But thank you so much for coming onto the show. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing a lot of your uh, not only historical past, but hopeful future that you have ahead of you. Thank you for having me. This is great. All right. Awesome. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. 
Till next time. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over 5 hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of 6 best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training.